Pastor Ray Bentley says our love for God on the inside reveals itself in the love we display on the outside. The way we treat other people reveals what we really believe about God. In other words, you cannot separate human relationships from divine relationships. If they are a Christian, we love them because Christ is in them. If they're not a Christian, we still love them because Christ died for them. Spread news. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. The church isn't about steeples and pews. It isn't about hymnals and potlucks. It isn't even about abstinence and temperance. The church is about people, people being brought in touch with the love of God. And today, from the book of James, Pastor Ray helps us get back to biblical basics. The title of the message is The Overflow of Grace. And we're going to talk about how we treat people that God brings into our lives. And it should be with grace because uh, we have been saved by grace. God doesn't owe us anything. Amen? We need Him to be gracious, loving and merciful and have compassion upon us. Well, we need Him to be gracious, loving and merciful and have compassion upon us. Well, what's interesting is oftentimes we take all the grace that we need, but then we treat other people on kind of, uh, well, you do this for me and I do this for you, and we barter with relationships sometimes, and that's not right. We need to treat others the way our Father in heaven has treated us, with pure grace. Father, we come before you and uh, Thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for the presence. We welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit here today. And we welcome you, Lord Jesus. Wherever two or three are gathered together, in your name, you said, I will be in your very midst. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are our Father in heaven and that you love us and that we are your sons and daughters. Knit us together, Lord, for such a time as this. Lord, may we love one another. May we grow in love. May we grow in grace. May we grow in understanding. And I just ask all of these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Say it louder. Amen. All right. Now, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. He says, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. I love this. He goes, my brothers, my sisters. And he's kind of, he's calling it, come on, guys. Brothers, sisters, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is James, you remember, the half-brother of Jesus, who all of Jesus growing up, and let alone even during his three and a half years of ministry, James did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. And there Jesus appeared, the Bible tells us, to James. It was like a one-on-one, brother-to-brother. And that revelation that Jesus was alive, that he was risen, that he was 
resurrected and that he was, in fact, Messiah and Lord. So now here is James saying, my brothers do not hold the faith of our Lord. The first thing that he calls now, in other words, the relationship has changed between James and Jesus. James, the non-believer, now says he is Lord. He's not only the Lord, he is my Lord, he is our Lord. And he is the Lord Jesus. In Hebrew, Yeshua, or Yehoshua, Joshua, which means God is our salvation. And then he is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ is obviously the Greek for the Hebrew Messiah. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. And I have to be honest, I, I love that it tells us that James didn't believe. It's not like, you know, man-made stories and where everything is just kind of perfect and there, there's a, this kind of a new age uh, thing, world that is, it's phony. You know, everything is cloudy and puffy and everything's harmony and wonderful and, and, and everybody is perfect. But the Bible is full of humanity, it's full of human beings that question, that challenge, that get angry, that sin, that are broken, and even like James, are non-believing. And then James sees his Messiah, his Lord Jesus Christ. And then he, he goes on. I mean, it's enough that he now admits and, and confesses in his letter, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has to add to that, he is the Lord of glory. James saw Jesus, yes, and he saw him after the resurrection. He saw him alive. But he also saw the glory it, Jesus was in his glory. He was in his new glorified resurrection place. And James saw it. And he was never the same again. The non-believer not only becomes a believer, he becomes a leader within the early church and he ends up dying a martyr. Dying as a martyr. You know, hey, he could witness and say, look, I didn't believe in him either. I know you guys don't get it. You don't see it. You don't believe in him. Neither did I, but I saw him with my own eyes. And I cannot deny who he is and how I know him. And James dies as a martyr testifying, along with, you know, multitudes of others who did so, and the apostles, the other apostles as well. Now he goes on to verse two, he says, for if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings in fine apparel, and there should also come a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and you say to him, you sit here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand there, or sit here at my footstool, kind of treating him like, you know, your servant, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. James says that's evil. Listen, my beloved brethren, he is, he is appealing to them with, with passion, pathos. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? And Paul wrote to the Corinthians, not many of you are mighty or powerful or this and that. And so he's saying, look, they, God has blessed them and, and God loves them. Heaven's going to be filled with poor people. Now there are some that are blessed and prosperous and rich and, and there's nothing wrong with that. What he, is, what he is going after is our human tendency 
to show partiality to those who have money or means or wealth, and then to kind of shun those who do not. And that's not something that, that God wants to tolerate. What is also interesting is that we were talking about how the Bible's like a mirror, and you know, you look in it, you walk away, forget what manner of man you were. You forget who you, what you look like. And so James was saying, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word, right? So after telling us this great spiritual truth of growth and discipleship, that don't just hear the word, but if you're really on your way to heaven, then do it. The first application of what we need to do is not show preferential treatment to some people because they are wealthy or have advantage or they have something to offer us and then avoid people that they have nothing uh, to give to us and the poor people. So here's, this is something that is so difficult. We live in a culture that, I mean, we are the capital of, uh, in the world, you might say, our culture of um, showing favoritism. And, we, and it's, it's, we don't even think about it. You know, the, the whole philosophy of the lifestyles of the rich and famous and the stars and the people that we elevate as somehow better, more blessed, more gifted, more powerful, more wealthy, more beautiful, whatever. They're up here and then there's all the, you know, the people, the riffraff down here. But in the kingdom of God, James was saying, don't do that. Don't bring that worldly attitude and, the, and those divisions and walls and, and uh, you know how it is. It starts in school and the, the cliques and the walls and you can never break through. Not in the kingdom of heaven. Not in God's family. The ground is level at the cross. Amen? So it is easy to fall into the trap of respecting persons, but we should not do it. Why shouldn't we be a respecter of persons? Because God isn't a respecter of persons, and nor should we be either. The way we treat other people reveals what we really believe about God. In other words, you cannot separate human relationships from divine relationships. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 is in your notes. Let's read that scripture out loud together. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. The way our human relations are, the way we treat people is a reflection of our relationship with God. And that's what James is now saying. So he goes, it's important that we honor our human relationships, that we love people, and that we remain open-hearted and, and loving to all. If they are a Christian, we love them because Christ is in them. If they're not a Christian, we still love them because Christ died for them. Amen? Jesus is not impressed with human status symbols. In Matthew twenty-two sixteen. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are. These are those who were challenging Jesus. And one of the things that you might say his opponents or his enemies noticed was, you're not impressed by us. You're not impressed with power. You're not impressed with wealth or with money. You pay no attention to those outward things. Because Jesus sees people not only for who they are, but he sees them for who they will become. 
And so, you know, here's an interesting thing. Sometimes, you know, we think, wow, the Lord looks at me, and, and so here I am, and here's my weaknesses and my flaws, and if you're in the Word and trying to grow, I have all these struggles that are going on, and, and so we look up, and through our own eyes, we're imagining how the Lord looks at us. He looks at me like right where I'm at. What you need to know and understand is that's, that's not entirely true. Though he does see you in, and knows you intimately, he does not only see you as you are, but the Lord sees you and me as we will be. He sees the end. He sees the finished product and brings that into the present. And therefore, when he's, it's like when he came up to Peter. And I, I would love to have known the reaction of the other disciples. Jesus comes up to Simon Peter and he goes, Peter, you are a rock. Some of the other guys might have gone, yeah, really? <laughs> Apparently he doesn't know Peter very well. Instead of a rock, you know, our modern idea would be more like a roller coaster. You know, he's up, he's down. But rock? Stable, strong, someone you can count on that will be there. Peter? Yes. Jesus saw the potential of Peter. And doesn't it bless you to know that when the Lord looks at you and when the Lord looks at me, he sees our full and realized potential of what we will be. Does that comfort anybody out there? It sure does bless me. So we make the mistake of judging people based upon their past while Christ judges us based upon our future. I just love that. So, you know, sometimes we talk about, well, you know, they're not our people. They're not our kind of people. What does that mean? For a Christian, if they're people, they're your people. And you should love them and reach out to them, and we all should. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. At Maranatha Radio, we've received so many cards, emails, and social media messages expressing appreciation for Pastor Ray's teaching. Pastor Ray was a very kind and friendly pastor. He will be greatly missed. He, of course, is enjoying the full essence of God's glory. We will see him again someday. Heavenly Father, please bless his wife, family, and church members. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Prayers and messages like that continue to be such a great encouragement to all of us at Maranatha Radio and the whole Bentley family. If you'd like to send a message, just email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment online at www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. You know, I was thinking about the days, you know, gone by. I'm reading a story right now, the, the life of Keith Green. How many of you remember Keith Green? You know, he was uh, he, a young guy, uh, died young in life. I think he was 28. He got saved when he was 21. So he had seven years of ministry. Played the piano, very passionate guy from, you know, a Jewish parents background, got saved. And it's very strange, though. He wasn't raised Jewish. He was raised Christian science. Then he rebelled against that, and then he gets saved, and then he has all these radical songs. He was known as a, as a you know, well, the book's called No Compromise. Just, you know, totally sold out for the Lord. And so I'm reading through this, and it's 
bringing back a lot of memories of my early days of being saved in the, in the 70s. And uh, one of the places I began to experience that was at the North Park Theater. It was, you know, it's hard to <laughs> imagine, but in the North Park Theater, because now, you know, there's not only like Maranatha, but there's Calvary chapels everywhere, and there's different kinds of churches and varieties and, and open and trying to reach people and win people in a thousand different ways. But at that time in the 70s, there were good, you know, Bible evangelical churches, but there was nothing like, there was only one place. And uh, this is when breaking out of the traditionalism, you know, just having guitars in, in worship was a totally new thing. And the people that came, you know, it was, it was crazy. All of the different people that, that would come there. And these were, there was a lot of unsaved people going to hear Bible studies is basically what it was. And kids that were smoking pot and, and living in the world and, and getting drunk and lost and trying Eastern mysticism and trying the occult and experiencing all kinds of craziness and experimenting with all kinds of things and yet a spiritual hunger and then hearing about this place. You know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, there were guys that would go, man, that's so wild. And you go, what? You know, and they go, man, I was smoking some pot and then I read the book of Revelation. It's unbelievable, you know. <laughs> and so here they're coming in. And then, but then you would hear Mike, this wild and crazy guy with the heart that is so big. And he would just preach the simple gospel and the message and about the cross and about Jesus Christ and that he died for you and that he rose and you need to have a relationship with him and so come forward and give your heart to him. And so they would respond. And what was amazing was to see them come in their lostness, in their haze, in their delusions and yet they just, oh, Jesus loved them, entered into them wherever they were at that moment. And then this transformation, this beautiful transformation began to happen. And they got healed, first of all, in their minds, and they got healed in their hearts, and they got healed in their, their spirit, and the, they began to learn things, and then they have to be, begin making adjustments and changing, and it was a process. But it was so beautiful. I remember there was a guy, there were, there were people that would come with coat hangers over their heads because they thought that space aliens were communicating to them. And they're sitting next to some guy in church. There was this other guy, I'll never forget this guy. He came to church with a full-blown NHL hockey uniform on and a hockey stick and thought he was a professional hockey player. He wasn't. And he got saved. He was out, I mean, he was gone. His mind had been fried from drugs. He got saved little by little, Bible study by Bible study, put his mind together. And, and the guy ends up getting healed mentally, and then I think ends up even getting a, he gets a job, he's an engineer. That he had that and, and then he lost it and God gave it back, and now he's married. And half of the other knuckleheads that were there are now Calvary Chapel pastors. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> but, it, it, you know, 
when I, I was reading, thinking about, you know, showing favoritism, for some reason, at certain times, not only the church will get like, hey, you know, who do we want to let in? I've told the story of Chuck and the carpet where the, you know, all these kids, he let kids come in and, and it was pretty wild. I, you know, barefoot and um, wearing bib overalls and all of that. And, uh, you know, then the elders complaining it's going to ruin the carpet. So Chuck said, okay, fine, great. I need some elder volunteers. So they're all, okay, what, what do you want us to do, Chuck? He said, rip the carpet out. They go, what? We just told you they're ruining. It's brand new. We just gave money with our ties. He said, yeah, but God gave us something better than green carpet. He's giving us souls. He's giving us people. Get rid of this stupid carpet. We can get a new carpet later. Let it be on cement floors. God's bringing in fish, man. When the fish are coming in, spread the nets and haul them in. Later you sort them out. But you catch the fish first and then you clean them. Did all stay? No. Did all keep on the path? No. But many did. And God did a mighty beautiful work. In ancient, uh, you know, not ancient, but generations ago in England, Wesley started preaching with passion and he, wanted, he started bringing in a lot of sinners uh, into the church and, they, and, and poor people in particular and they said they didn't want him. And they finally stopped inviting him to church. And they, they said, we don't really want you. We want nice sermons, you know. So he went out into the fields and then tens of thousands of people started coming. And, and then, you know, a movement began. It was called the Methodist, you know, movement. And years later then, the Methodist church, you know, was in England and they kind of had their preferential treatment. Things had gotten a little calcified. And so this young guy named William Booth brought in a bunch of little street urchins who were poor and, and smelled bad. And he waited till the service started. And then they were singing. And so he acted like an usher. He wasn't an usher, but he acted like an usher. And he brought all the little poor kids and put them up in the best seats up in the front of the, in the front row with their little, you know, smudgy faces. And then they got, they said, you can't do that. You can't bring those kids and their distraction and their this and that. And so, you know, get rid. So they kicked him out. And then he started the Salvation Army. That was William Booth. So the church can't do that, neither can we. We have to remain open-minded, we have to remain open-hearted to what God is wanting to do. And that's apparently what was happening, that James, for some reason, it bugged him that you guys in this early church, even though it was a house church movement, are starting to give preferential treatment to you know the well-knowns. And you're putting in the back and treating like less than those who don't have any means. And he goes, look, God loves everybody equally, number one. But he, he, he definitely loves the poor and he's brought many of them into his kingdom because many times they are hungry and dependent upon the Lord. So he's wanting us to live in that way. We're gleaning some rich, practical insights from our studies in James with Pastor Ray Bentley here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, The Overflow of Grace. If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. 
We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under media, you'll notice three words, watch, radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click about and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his book called As the Days of Noah, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.